This podcast is brought to you by Podcast Nation. Hello, everyone. My name is Erin Trelore, and I am the host of Raw Beauty Talks. We're taking you behind the highlight reel of the world's biggest influencers and wellness gurus to get a raw glimpse of what beauty, health, and wellness look like in today's world so that you can feel your absolute best in your body and in your life. All right, Raw Beauties, today's guest is a new mom. She's the OG of leveraging social to build a freaking empire. She's slightly obsessed with wellness. She is the founder of one of the most distinctive blogs today. If you haven't already been following The Skinny Confidential, I don't know where you're at. Like, Get over there right now. Like it. Make sure that you're following along. She's got so many amazing tips in there, and we are going to talk about a lot of different things. We're going to cover some ground today. Of course, we'll talk about body image, beauty. We're going to talk about her philosophy around IG filters. We're going to talk about momming. I really have a lot of questions about your boobs. I'm not going to lie. I'm like fascinated by breast implants. And since you've shared so openly with your audience on your feed, I'm hoping you can answer some questions for me. And uh, we'll also touch on her incredible podcast, which is The Skinny Confidential, him and her. Over 75 million downloads, which is insane. I feel like I've got like five. I mean, actually, that's not true, but 75 million is absolutely wild. Lauren, thank you so much for being here today. Thank you for having me. And just so you know, I started out with nothings with the downloads. So wherever (laughs) you're at, keep going. We all start somewhere. I'm so lucky that I have the most incredible loyal audience that have like stuck by me since the very beginning and it's constantly growing. So I have so much appreciation for our audience. But when you see a number like that, you're like, wow, I have a long way to go. I'm so inspired. So inspired. Yeah. It's just slow little things that make up the overall success. Just tiny little movements every day in the right direction. That's what we're doing over here. So I obviously just introduced you with like a hundred amazing labels and there's so many more, you know, things that make you up. But if I were to ask you to describe yourself in three words, what would you say? Resourceful, uh, resilient, and you're not going to believe the one I'm going to say, but introverted. Ooh, I'm not surprised though. I find that a lot of the people that I interview who are really present on social media are actually like they recharge at home, even though it seems like they're always out and about doing the most amazing things. Yeah, I definitely recharge at home. I have to have alone time. I feel like you Um, are all of those things that you just mentioned when I was, did this exercise for you myself. And the first three words that popped to mind for me were boss curious AF and brand genius. That's very nice. I'm definitely curious. I'm, I'm maybe too curious. I'm right there with you, but I think that's such an incredible trait and is likely why you've been so successful because you're always listening, learning, talking, growing, and it shines through in everything that you do. Well, that's very nice. I feel I get bored with myself. It's like, how many times can I you know, talk about what lipstick I'm wearing. It's, it's, it starts to bore me. So definitely have to look outward. My grandma used to say, get outside yourself. 
And even further than that, my Pilates teacher always tells me, she's like, there's two kinds of people. There's people that wake up in the morning and they look out the window and there's people that wake up and look in the mirror. Mm -hmm. And I really try to be someone that looks out the window. Obviously I don't succeed every single day, but I try, try to look out the window every day. I love that so much. Okay. So scrolling your feed, everybody go right now to the skinny confidential on Instagram you have a very perfect feed. Like you are a 20 out of 10 on the hotness scale and every outfit is dialed. I was like, what am I going to wear for this interview today? That's going to be cute enough for this girl. And yeah, but then I told you I have a rash all over my face. So <laughs> that's nothing's a 10 out of 10 right now. <laughs> I mean, we all know that like life is never 10 out of 10. And you do actually talk a lot on your feed about the highs and lows of life but you have a definite aesthetic to your images where there's a lot of pink. It's very light. Like your skin is perfect in every image. Does it take a lot of time to create this or is this just like Lauren 24 seven? No, this is not Lauren 24 seven. I'm in disgusting pajamas. I smell, I need to shower. I need to scrape my tongue. Uh, I need help with my skin right now. I think that for me, like my feed is where it's the best version of me looks wise. Like, I feel like that's for a lot of people. Like it's, it's, it's like a resume quick brand of everything. Instagram stories. I'm definitely like with no makeup a lot of the time and at home relaxing. And then if you like really want my full authentic personality, it's on our podcast. I'm really about finding the mediums that work for you. And then when, when you find out if they work for you, deciding sort of what the brand is going to be on each medium. So like mm-hmm. how I am on the podcast is maybe a little bit different than what you get on my Instagram. I definitely, I want to be consistent on all platforms, but at the same time, I definitely want you to feel the difference when you move mediums. I think that it's so genius as well, because it really encourages people to come seek you out in all those different avenues to get to know you better. So I mean, honestly, I've been following along for a couple of years now and have just been blown away by how incredibly you navigate this whole branding. Like you are the queen of it. You're working it. (laughs) And I feel like everything is so intentional, which is it requires a lot of work at the end of the day. Like it's not, yeah, it's, it's definitely a lot of work, but I do, I do think if you looked at everything I do, my favorite thing to do is branding. So yes. that's definitely like, if, if I had to go away off social media tomorrow, I would definitely be a brand consultant and build brand. Mm, yeah. I mean, I could definitely see that for you. So for this podcast episode, you got late notice that we were hoping to do it on video. You didn't want to do it because as you already mentioned, you have the rash which is so fair, but do you feel like sometimes because your brand is so perfect that it's harder to show up? Like when you're having that rough day where you have the rash or where like you don't have time to put on makeup. I mean, you're juggling so much now as a new mama. So is there a pressure there to like always look a certain way or be a certain way? Well, first of all, the reason that I didn't want to go on video, yeah, I don't want you have to stare at my rash, but the reason is because (laughs) I'm multitasking right now. So I have my amazing makeup artist, Janine here, and she's doing my makeup while I'm doing this interview. And for me, that is like such a tip. And I'm not saying it has to be your makeup. There's multiple things you can do, but I spend money on my time. 
So if that means getting in an Uber and being able to post my Instagram stories or, you know, getting my makeup done while I do 10 conference calls or even getting a blowout and going to write a post to me, that's worth the investment. Like I don't get off on handbags and shoes. Like I get off on saving time. Like I Mm. have like orgasmic horny (laughs) horniness towards, (laughs) towards saving time. I, I will find ways to fit it in and get really creative. I think that's why I said resourceful first. That's something that I think is like a number one tip, but to go back to your question, of course there's pressure to, you know, I don't want to say look a certain way, but, but you know, I don't want to walk around looking like shit and run into a bunch of people. That's not fun, but that wasn't fun before I was a blogger. Like, yeah, I don't want to run into someone from high school in the grocery store feeling and looking like shit, but does that happen? Yeah. It happens all the time. I'm not dressed up 24 seven. I probably wear makeup three days a week. You're a human Um, being. Nobody wants to run into their like ex or that girl from high school who was mean to them looking their absolute worst. Nobody wants that. Yeah, it's the same. So it's nothing's really changed. It's just on a different scale. But I definitely like, I'm on Instagram story with no makeup all the time. But sure, there's days where I don't feel good and I don't want to get on Instagram. And I also give myself space. So I'll take a complete day off social media and not touch my phone. I'll take two Mm. days off social media and not touch my phone. I've really set boundaries with it. I don't look at my phone in the morning for one second um, unless it's to read or listen to a podcast. Mm -hmm. Which is so key, I think, when when so much of your your career revolves around the phone and online. I mean, I know now you're at a a bit of a different stage where you can probably, you have that support and some systems in place that allows you to remove yourself. But I feel like that's such a healthy practice for everyone carving out that time in the morning. It's so important. And it's changed my cortisol levels. I used to wake up and I used to stare at my phone and look at my email for five years. I've been doing this for 11 years Mm. and that will stop serving me. It's like, sometimes things serve you really well and then they stop serving you. And I've talked to so many successful people and they say sometimes their need to prove to people was their drive when they first started a business. And so they were constantly trying to prove to people, prove, prove, prove. And then you get to a point seven years later where that stops serving you and you have to change your motive. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's like what happened with the phone. It was like, it got to a point where I was waking up every morning and checking my phone and I just thought, this is not how I want to live. I want to live with more boundary, more intention. And also I think that I'm incredibly more effective when I've had a really peaceful, purposeful morning. Oh, me too. I think at the moment I start my day grabbing my phone, other people are ruling my day. Other people have control over my day. Whereas if I can keep my hands off of my phone, which it's a tempting. There are so many notifications going off and emails that need to get answered. But if I can just carve out a little bit of space, it literally feels like I've got control over my day. I'm deciding how it flows. It's a game changer. Thank you for bringing Exactly. That. Exactly. And I will just be blunt today. So I have not checked my phone in months and months and months in the morning. And today I woke up at 4.30 in the morning, which I never do. That's not normal at all. And so I was like sitting there and I, I kept telling myself, go read. And I didn't go and read. And I will tell you, I swear to God, I feel different today. It's a different feeling. I feel a little bit more stressed. My cortisol feels spiked. It really does make a difference. 
So I like today is a perfect example of how like it wasn't a perfect morning because I was on my phone from probably 4.30 to 6, looking at emails, social media, all that. And it was, it's just not productive. And I realized today again, how unproductive it really is. Okay. So that's tool number one for this episode. Can you try not grabbing your phone first thing in the morning. Can you carve out five minutes, 15 minutes, do some breathing, go wash your face and brush your teeth, like have breakfast like a normal person without your nose in your phone and see if it impacts your day at all. See if it impacts the way that you feel, your stress levels, all of that good stuff. All right. That's I love that. I love that for your audience. And I think if you guys can just do 30 minutes, yeah, 30 minutes. And honestly, I'm not saying don't read a book on your phone or listen to a podcast. To me, that's, that's your learning knowledge. I prefer a hardback book, but yeah, you know, if that's all you have, then that's all you have. But the point is, is the second you wake up, you're inundating your brain with knowledge. I like it to be something really educational in the morning. This is another tip, like with podcasts. I'm not going to listen to a gossip podcast the first t- second I wake up. It's not the space that I want to be in to start my day. So I'm really intentional about the podcast I listen to. The music is very intentional. And this sounds stupid, but I'm telling you, it makes such a difference in your cortisol levels. Like I like to wake up to meditation music. Like I, I like to, yeah. you know, listen to someone like Ed Milet, who's going to inspire me. Just doing those little changes because, you know, we do wake up sometimes and turn on the news and it's all about COVID and like, it's stressful. It's really working like into your cortisol. So for me, my mornings need to be as peaceful as possible. Mm, I love it. Ed Milet is one of my favorite shows. He's incredible. Any other podcasts that you love to start your morning with? Like what would be a go-to for you? I'm really into Audible right now. So books on Audible are great. I'm a huge fan of Robert Greene, Ryan Holiday. I love the Daily Stoic podcast. It's three minutes to start yes. your day on, on a note where you just realize that you're a peon on this earth and that mm. your problems aren't like death. Maybe they are death, but like for me, my problem is not death. So get over it. And um, <laughs> it puts everything into perspective yeah. for me. Gary V, if you're, if it's a Monday is awesome to like yeah. wake up and kick your ass. The balanced blonde is more, you know, soulful. And I just feel like every time I listen to her, I'm very calm. Uh, Rachel Hollis is, is a great one. I just think looking to the people that you wish were your mentors and listening to them. Whenever someone says like, can you mentor me? I'm like, you literally can go consume my content and there's a hundred episodes where I can mentor you. So I think that's the same for me. Like I look to people in the morning that I would maybe pick as my mentor. Mm, Love this tip. Beautiful. Okay. She just listed off a bunch of podcasts. Go download them. Obviously download the Skinny Confidential Him and Her as well. That's a go-to for me. Fast forward to the end of 2024. Think of your goals for a second. What can you do right now to give yourself the best chance of succeeding? If you want to learn a new language, you absolutely should get Babbel. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that really don't help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts to help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversation, and Babbel's tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teachings so you're ready to practice what you learned in the real world. If you're heading to another country, 
country anytime soon, start using Babbel a few weeks before you go to learn basics like how to order food, ask for directions, speak to merchants without having to consult language apps while you're away. So fun. Here's a special limited time deal for our listeners. Right now, get 55% off your Babbel subscription, but only for our listeners at babbel.com slash raw beauty talks. Get 55% off at babbel.com slash raw beauty talks. That's spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash raw beauty talks. Rules and restrictions may apply. This episode is brought to you by Lola V, an award-winning hair care line founded by the fabulous Jennifer Aniston. Jen got tired of the same old struggle we all faced, choosing between hair products that work and ones that are actually good for us. With Lola V, that dilemma is history. We all put our hair through the ringer. That's why it's crucial to have products that not only repair the look of the damage, but also shield your locks from future harm. Enter Lola V's bestsellers, the Glossing Detangler and the Perfecting Leave-In Conditioner. They're your hair's new best friend. For a limited time, you get 15% off your entire order at lolavie.com. Just use the code RAWBEAUTYTALKS at checkout. Lolavie is all about naturally derived plant-based goodness, no silicone, sulfates, parabens, or gluten, and of course, cruelty-free and vegan. That's 15% off your order at lolavie.com with promo code RAWBEAUTYTALKS. You can only use one promo code per order and discounts can't be combined. After you purchase, they'll ask you where you heard about them. Tell them I sent you over. Pressing pause to chat with you about something that has been an absolute game changer in my life. You may have missed it, but a couple of months ago, I made a horrifying (laughs) discovery of a tampon that had been long forgotten, you know where. It was awful, but obviously I posted about it because I share everything with you girls. And I was absolutely shocked to find out that so many other women had had the same experience. So I obviously went looking for alternative solutions and I discovered Modi Body, a company that offers reusable period and incontinence proof underwear. At this point, you've probably heard about period proof underwear, but what I love about Modi Body is that they're the only brand with their own patented technology to ensure your safety. So there's no weird chemicals in the liners and they're 100% dependable, no leaks, eco-friendly and cost-effective starting at only $19 a pair. Modi Body is a no brainer ladies, no more missing tampons. Okay. With tons of cute designs to choose from and sizes from 4XS to 6XL, it really is for every body. Our friends at Modi Body have kindly offered 15% off for a limited time when you use the code RAWBEAUTY at www.modibody.com. That's RAWBEAUTY at M-O-D-I-B-O-D-I.com. All right, let's get back to the show. I'd love to ask you about, this is switching gears a little bit, your social media filter philosophy, because I feel like this is a conversation that's happening so much. We talk about it on our feed a lot as well. What are your thoughts on filters on social media and do you use them? What's the purpose in your mind? All that kind of good stuff. I really don't give a fuck what anyone else does. If someone wants to edit the shit out of their photo, like I don't care. It doesn't affect me. I don't let it in my energy. It just, it's like, to me, if someone wants to get plastic surgery, they're altering their body, just like a photo. It's like, it it doesn't bother me. I don't waste my energy, you know, worried about what other people are doing. 
On the other hand, like I think with filters, like, yeah, sometimes they can get crazy and there's like these crazy expectations, but I think you have to go into social media as a disclaimer that shit is edited. Like I don't go on there and think, oh my God, all these bodies are perfect. Mine doesn't look like this. I go into social media at my own risk, knowing there's stuff that's edited. So I feel like if it's my choice to go on social media, I'm, I'm the gatekeeper. Yes. So if I think if that triggers you, people editing their photos, I would say limit your time on social media. And that's really blunt. It's like you're in control. So that's one thing. I love a good filter on Instagram story. I, who doesn't like, I love a great filter. I love more though. I'll tell you good light. (laughs) Totally. I'm all about the light. Like, and this is just a tip for anyone who wants good light. You always want your phone, the back of your phone facing a window. And I think that like, there's nothing better to me than good light. That's my number one tip. And all my pictures, you'll always see good light. So obviously it's not going to be in the most, you know, disgusting light. I don't shoot a lot at night either because I find that natural light is nicer. I don't think there's anything wrong with a little facetune here and there. If I have a zit on my chin and I can facetune it off, that's fine. If I can brighten my eyes a little bit, I love to take the little detail tool and and detail my eyelashes. But again, like I've talked about this on the podcast all the time. I've told my audience this, like I'm very transparent. Again, though, I think with anyone on social media, you just have to understand that like 95% of it is being edited. I think that's the key is that there has to be this knowledge that what we're seeing on social media, whether it's filtered or the, just the picture or the caption that is curated, that it's not 100% of the story, that it is whatever the individual or the brand wants you to see. And so it's like flipping through a magazine or watching a show. I also love what you said about, you know, you being in control of your social media. If something's triggering you or something's not feeling right, you don't have to follow it. There's no, there's no one putting you in handcuffs saying that you need to watch this. So you have to be aware of what's working for you on your social feed and lean into that. One thing that I'm always sort of aware of is the pressure on women to obtain this certain level of beauty that is not exactly like nobody can actually reach that appearance. So nobody I can ever actually reach that level of beauty. And so even if consciously they're like, yes, there's filters here, or yes, this is edited at a subconscious level, there's a certain amount of pressure that's being put on women and a value that's being put on us in regards to the way that we look and our beauty. And so I'm always wondering, because I completely agree that everyone should be able to do as they wish with their feed, with their body, with their life. But I'm wondering about how we sort of support younger girls, girls that look up to you, look up to other influencers so that they they aren't then self-reflecting in a way that's damaging to them. Yeah. I mean, I think what I would say is that it would be great if there was a disclaimer the second you signed on any social media platform that said images are edited, images are manipulated. Are you over this age? And you click yes or no. I think a disclaimer would be great. But I also think, and this is an unpopular opinion probably, I love the unpopular that, opinion. Yeah, it's, I'm going to be a little harsh. And maybe this is like very like masculine energy. But like, I also think that it's important to learn accountability. And what I mean by that is like, everything to me is my fault. 
if something's not going my way, it's my fault. Right. And so instead of looking outward to like other people, what I do when I'm upset or triggered by something, I look inward. What mm. can I work on on myself? It starts with you. So if I'm triggered by Kylie Jenner's photos, mm-hmm. what's triggering me? I, I look at that. And Joe Dispenza, he's this great doctor. He, yes. taught, he taught me to observe my thoughts. So like when you're thinking something, like if you don't like someone, I'm always like, why don't I like them? Do they remind me of a girl I didn't like in high school? Like wh- what is the reason I don't like them? I don't mm-hmm. just feel like I don't like her. Like, yes. Just think about what, like, what is it about me that's making you not like her? So with social media, again, if I'm triggered, I'm going to examine that trigger. I feel like I'm in control of, of myself. Now that might be like an evolved opinion that I maybe wouldn't have had when I was 18. And I maybe would have definitely been more triggered by social media, which is why I do think there should be some kind of disclaimer on all social media, right? When you sign on. But I, I don't even know if the disclaimer would help. So I think it's a conversation we just need to keep having. I don't think I have the answer. I don't think anyone really has the answer of what to do. I don't think people are going to stop editing their photos anytime soon. No, that's what I'll I say. Agree. I don't think, I don't think, and here's what I'll also say. People are also curating their image in real life. Like people cover themselves in makeup. People don't get huge implants. People, you know what I mean? So it's a bigger conversation, I think, than just social media. Mm, I haven't ever heard that angle before that we also curate ourselves in life, but obviously we do based on the car we drive or the home we live on, friends that we surround ourselves with or where we decide to take vacations. And I love personally the idea of curating your life. I'm a big advocate for creating a vision of what you want to create in your life and then bringing that into fruition. And so I really love that kind of new angle that you just presented because people get so caught up in the fact that, you know, social media, it's so curated and it's like, well, yeah, we're, we're doing that in every aspect of our life too. So why, why is this so triggering? I also think that that note of really turning inward is incredibly powerful beyond social media again, but perhaps starting there because that's where the conversation is at right now that when you feel triggered by another page or another person really tuning inwards and recognizing what insecurities lie there within you or what past trauma did you experience that is coming up for you again, it's never the other person's job to change. It's never their fault. It's not up to this person or that person to change their feet or the way that they're living their life in order to make you more comfortable. You are the only one who can make yourself more comfortable. And in moments, that's going to mean pushing mute or unfollow. I love a good mute. Press (laughs) mute all day long. It's like, get it out of your ether. Press mute. I'm all about mute. I just think the word trigger to me, I'm not going to lie, is a turnoff. It's like, Mm. if something's triggering me, it's, I need to look at myself. Yeah. And I mean, that's what a trigger can be. It can be a calling to look inward, to do the And it's actually, like you said, it can be a positive thing. It's like, you can write it down. Michael sometimes will, like, if he asks me to do something in a way that is abrupt, I don't like it. And for so long, I thought it was his problem. And it's not his problem. It's my problem. Why am I triggered off that? And, And there's something about just not reacting. And actually really reflecting (laughs) 
and making a conscious decision about how to move forward or how to act. Not, not reacting sometimes and, and doing nothing is probably the most powerful thing I think people can do because it is so hard sometimes to do nothing. Mm. And next time you get in a really big fight with someone, remember that I said that because just remember to just like do nothing and it's, you're going to be like, oh, this is so hard. Because I think about it all the time. Every time I'm pissed off at something, I think, okay, Lauren, do nothing. And it's like horrible. <laughs> it's the worst <laughs> to do nothing. So I think that there's, there's something there. No one is forcing you to react to anything. Um, and I think that goes like a lot with stoicism. And I talk about stoicism all the time because it's changed my life. It's a philosophy I live every single day. Okay. Break um, down stoicism for us. What does that mean to you? Yeah. It's just about understanding that you're in control of what you're in control of and you're not in control of what you're not in control of. So things you wouldn't be in control of are the weather right? You can't control the weather. Mm-mm. You're not in control of getting coronavirus or not. Like, I mean, obviously you can wear a mask and do all the stuff, but if you like, if you're out in the world, you might get it. You might not. Something like that. I try not to sit around and worry about. I do everything I can for precautions, but I'm not going to sit here and worry, worry, worry. Mm. Anything that's out of my control, I don't worry about. And that's what stoicism has taught me. It's a total practice. By the way, I am not perfect at everything I'm saying. I am not perfect at doing nothing. I slip up all the time. But the key is to have the self-awareness to know when you messed up and try to do better next time. And I think self-awareness is like so important. And it goes into even what you're saying about social media. If you have the self-awareness that you're going to be triggered when you look at the Kardashians, then don't look. I can't stop looking. It's so I know. good. I, I mean, I love it. I think, I think it's like, I've, I've never seen anything like it. I, I, I love it, but I know a lot of people don't like it. Yes. Yes. Well, everyone, when I talk about the Kardashians, it's like, that is so off brand for you. And I'm like, but I'm fascinated by it. They know what they're doing. Everything's so strategic. And yes, like it is very, here comes the T word again, triggering for a lot of people. And yes, there's a lot of things that, you know, I kind of wish weren't happening, but at the end of the day, it's also like, I don't know. I just can't stop the Kardashians. I think I'm there that, for it. like, no matter anyway, I think no one would fight me on this. They are the greatest influencers of our time. And the truth is, and if, if I always like, if someone's thinking something bad about someone, I always try to look for the good. And with them, they have paved the way for so many people to be influencers. Yeah. There is so, our influencer culture would be in such a different place if it were not for the Kardashians. Mm. They have paved the way to make celebrities were like the thing, right? Like 20 years ago. And now they have created this market for all of these women to be influencers. I think that there are, I have, I have to say like some missteps in my mind in regards to how far they've taken like the body piece with the shapewear and corsets and things. But that being said, they also paved the way for the celebration of a new type of body as well. They, I feel like were initially, other than like maybe JLo, for example, the curvier women who started to influence with boobs and butts. And I mean, you can talk all day about whether or not it's real or it's fake, but it definitely did open up the door to more body types being celebrated. Totally. And that's like such a good way to look at it. So I have always had a slight obsession 
with implants, <laughs> which again is off brand for me, but I'll, I'm like, what my brand is just being real and raw and honest and open. And that is what I'm all about. So if people think that that's off brand for me, then I guess I need to do a better job of like defining what I'm all about. So I had no boobs. And then when I was 16, I had like full D cup boobs. I loved them. And then I had two kids and now they're gone. They're gone. My boobs are gone and I miss them. I miss them. But I also am terrified about getting breast implant illness, which it's like my phone hears me talking about this and now only shows me stories of women who are getting breast implant illness. Also in my family, my parents, there's this like general value of not getting plastic surgery that has been in the back of my mind for a long time. What has been your experience with your breast implants? Do you love them? Why did you get them? And I'm also curious to know about how it was like throughout pregnancy and everything. The breast implants for me have never been an issue. I wanted boobs when I was 14 years old. I worked from 14 to 18 to save up my own money. My parents said, and I like love them for this. They said, you want boobs? Go figure it out. You want a new car? Figure it out. You want new jeans? Figure it out. Everything was, oh, you want that? Go get it. Right. So I wanted boob implants. I literally worked at a boutique probably five days a week throughout high school for four years. The day after I graduated on my dad's birthday, I got them. (laughs) Um, Wow. Didn't consult my parents, just did it. Got them, loved them. And then after 10 years, I wanted to get a little refresh got a refresh with Dr. Barrett, had the best, most seamless experience. I've just had a very easy experience with them. And it's been like great. I love them. But I I will say the next time I get them done, when I get my mommy makeover after I'm done having kids, I think (laughs) that I will get fat from another place in my tits instead of an implant. Just because, yeah, I've just like heard so many good things about it. I think that I feel like I'm the influencer to try it. I'm open to it. If you're going to do it, I would definitely explore that option before you get an implant, especially if you're scared of the illness. Yes. So wait, wait a second. They take fat from another part of your body and then put that into your breast. They take fat from another part of your body, like your hip, um, and they put it in your boob. I wonder if that's what Chrissy Teigen did. Because hers look insanely real. Yeah, you look all these celebrities. This is my problem. (laughs) All the celebrities say that they lose the weight from after a baby by running after their kids and breastfeeding. It's (laughs) like, I sometimes, this is my thing. Like, you know, who knows what she did? Who knows? Who knows? And who cares? I mean, really, who cares? I'm just, as I said, I'm so fascinated by it. And I feel like part of it is that I'm like so scared to do it and so unsure. And so then I'm just like so curious about other people's experience. I'm also a stomach sleeper. So I'm like, would I be leveraged off the bed on these like rock hard balls? Like, would I be able to sleep again ever? Mine aren't rock hard. No, they're not rock hard. Okay. I think that you're, you're thinking of like Pam Anderson, like mine look, (laughs) babe, don't my boobs look real? He said, yeah, they look real. Is that Michael? Yeah, they look real. They, they're just like very, very perky, which is they're very perky. But they're also, I can play them down, which I like. Yeah. You went bigger the second set. Yeah. I went bigger the second set because I didn't go big enough the first time. When you were pregnant, because when you're pregnant, your boobs grow already. So were they like massive? 
Michael said they were massive, but I didn't think they were massive. In fact, I thought that they looked smaller because my bump was so big. Uh, yeah, that makes sense. The illusion. <laughs> the illusion yeah, of- <laughs> and I think that um, I, I got saline. I also did this thing where he injected me with lidocaine when I was under, so it didn't hurt at all for four days. Oh, wow. And then afterwards, is it painful? No, nothing's painful. Oh, my God. This is a slippery slope. Watch me come back to um, the next interview. A lot of plastic surgery isn't <laughs> painful, though. I mean, my friend just got a facelift. She's older. She got a facelift, and it wasn't painful at all. It, it, the surgeries have changed, you They've know? Changed. And I, I'm talking to so many plastic surgeons all the time. It's not a big deal like it used to be, and people are more open. And, like, so many people are getting it done, and so many people are not telling people they're getting it done that that's been one of my things as an influencer to be so transparent about that. I loved that you talked about it. I loved that you like opened up your comments to answer questions from people. Again, I think it's people's prerogative as to whether or not they talk about it. But in regards to women, like really understanding, you know, how we achieve or obtain a certain look, it is helpful for people to kind of be looped in, especially when, you know, you're somebody of influence. So I loved that you talked about it. But also, again, if you decided not to, then that's cool too. It's up to you. Your yeah, life, I think you, you have to do what, what feels, feels right for you. I've been an oversharer since I came out of the womb. And I just don't, I really just don't think it's a big deal. I made my own choice. My husband never said a word to me about getting boobs. It's my complete own choice that I wanted to do. I just didn't make the choice for anyone else. And for me, if I can bring people along the journey and like share tips and tricks with them, then I feel like I've done my job with that. Well, I appreciate you answering all of my questions and I'll probably DM you with more as they come up along the way. (laughs) More boob questions for you, Lauren. So one of the most common questions when I asked our audience what they wanted to know from you was about your pregnancy journey, about your relationship with body image throughout that journey? Were you nervous to like get a bump and gain weight and for your body to change? Or were you stoked and embracing the whole journey? Pregnancy was a breeze for me. It was easy until the end. Um, and then like, I was just done because I, I didn't have a baby until 42 weeks. <laughs> oh no, yeah. no. So I was like, I was done. But What shocked me is that I don't know if I got cocky with it and it was like so easy after pregnancy was really hard for me. And I went into being pregnant, like knowing nothing. I didn't Google anything. I've never, I never had dreamed of what it was going to be like. I literally knew nothing about it. So I thought, oh, I'm going to get pregnant, have the baby. And then it's easy. The baby's hard. The baby's crying and hard, but afterwards it's easy. The baby's been a breeze. What's been hard is postpartum anxiety and everyone is different and everyone has a different experience. And maybe people are rolling their eyes that I say the baby's not hard. For me, the baby has been so much easier than post. I had such bad postpartum anxiety. I also had a problem with how much weight I gained because I felt like no one talked about it afterwards. Like I've heard so many people be like, I walked out of the hospital with my jeans. And so I was surprised and shocked that there's not more people talking about being so simultaneously grateful and happy that they have a healthy baby, but also annoyed that they have all this weight on them. 
I hear that every day as a health coach who works like only with women who are struggling with body image. I feel like it's one of the hardest transitions. It's like for a lot of women, you have this baby and you are so in love with this baby, but you're like, whoa, where did my body go? What happened to my life? Like life as you knew it before has shifted and altered in a major way. And yeah, your body's one piece of that, but I don't think in general, you're right. Like it's not talked about enough. It's not. No, it's definitely not talked about enough. And it also is not talked about enough that it doesn't just fall off the weight. Uh, maybe for me, again, this may be, it's, everyone's different. For me, it did not just fall off right away. It still isn't off. I still have 18 pounds to lose. I gained 55 pounds when I was pregnant. And I am the type of person where I always strive to be the best version of myself in every area. And for me, I feel the best when I'm, when I'm like, I don't want to say at a certain weight, but when I'm at a certain fitness level. Right. And I'm not going to apologize for that. I'm not telling anyone else what they should do with their body. But for me and my body, I like to feel the best version of myself. So with Mm -hmm. a pregnancy, it sucks every facet out of you. It's from your Mm -hmm. heels hurt to your, your legs are swollen to your vagina. If you go to (laughs) C-section to your tits, like it's every single facets being stretched and pulled. And then you have the baby and for me, I was like left with anxiety, like a lot of anxiety and then also all this weight. And so I am just going to continue to talk about what that journey has been like for me because I'm not going to sit here and tell people, oh, it just fell off. I was chasing after my kid. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Honest hour. I mean, that's the truth for so many women. I struggled majorly with postpartum anxiety after my second. So my first was easy breezy. And then my second, I was like, what the fuck is this? This is so crazy. Yeah. And you um, probably went into the second being like, this is fine. It's great. And then you're shocked and like hit over the head. Yes. And it came, it was like late onset. So it wasn't until about eight months, but I was just so exhausted from work and like looking at the two kids and all the things. So what was your experience with postpartum anxiety? Cause it can look different for every woman. Um, it was just crippling anxiety. It felt like it feels like, you know, when you're about to get in a car accident, like that feeling of like, <gasps> like, Oh yeah. my God, I'm about to hit someone. It's like that rush through your body all the time. And I'm very sensitive to my cortisol levels. We talked about this earlier. I'm really, really like tuned in with my cortisol and my cortisol was off the charts. And how I've healed it is doing a mixture of things. I just posted this. I do these beachy showers where it scrubs your whole body and just drains your lymphatic system. I think the lymphatic system is so important when it comes to anxiety. I also microdosed mushrooms, which I have to do a podcast about. Yes, three times. Please. And that was the biggest thing that got me out of it. Wow. Uh, I'm not telling anyone to do that. I'm just telling you what I did worked very well. I'm going to do like a whole episode with an expert because obviously I'm not saying I'm an expert. I'm just saying that was very helpful. And then I go to this guy that does fascia manipulation. He helped a lot. And then the thing that's helped me lose weight. And I just encourage every single woman who's listening to this, and I'm not going to shut the fuck up about this is getting your hormones tested and your thyroid. So normally women go to their regular doctor and they do it. But what that's actually doing is you're just looking at the bed. You're not looking under the bed. 
So if you go to a hormone specialist or an endocrinologist, they're looking under the bed. And I felt so lethargic after birth. I'm like, this is normal. Couldn't lose weight. I'm like, this is normal, I guess. I went to her and she checked my thyroid and it was so low. And she said, Lauren, even if you starved and worked out every day, you would not lose weight with this thyroid. So immediately I just went to her actually right before this. And I went to her about a month and a half ago. I've lost 10 pounds just by fixing my thyroid. So that's one. And then also balancing my hormones has also been something else that I feel like has helped so much with postpartum. So if you feel lethargic, fatigued, low energy, I felt like there was a cloud over my eyes every day, depressed, anxious. I highly recommend testing your thyroid and testing your hormones, but not with a general practitioner with an expert. Mm, love it. Nobody else will advocate for you or your body. So if you feel like something is off or something is wrong, then find the person who's the expert in that area if you can, or at the very least, go talk to your GP as a starting point if that's something that's covered for you. Uh, yeah, don't but- talk to your husband because mine said, when's the postpartum thing end? I said, when your life ends in two minutes. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for the tip, Michael. Yeah, Appreciate I mean, it. He was, he was, that was something that was really hard too, is my husband and I work together. So we're typically so in sync and like so much synergy and like he understands what I'm going through and this, he didn't understand. He couldn't. And it was very frustrating. Yeah. And so I mean, when the hormones like, are raging. <laughs> I'm like, what's wrong? I just had a baby a month ago. I'm 30 pounds overweight. I'm uncomfortable. I feel like there's fog over my eyes. I'm fatigued. What do you mean what's wrong? You get a paper cut and I have to hear about it for 40 (laughs) weeks. It's so true. They're like little babies. If they, I always say like, it would be a nightmare if men had to go through pregnancy and have the children, it would not be a good situation at all. Yeah. I don't want to hear about your splinter. What does he say when you talk about like, I'm 30 pounds overweight or I feel disgusting or like, I feel like I, you know, like don't have any cute outfits right now that I can fit on my body. Is he supportive of you? Like, what does Michael say in those moments? Well, he's very annoying because he's naturally slim and he has no attachment to food. So I've been with him for, you know, 12 years. I've never heard him say, Ooh, like I want a steak or some chocolate. Like my husband eats to live. That's it. So (laughs) he thinks that me like obsessing and talking about it makes me keep weight on, which is probably true Mm -hmm. because it's like the cortisol again, keep going back to that hormone because it it holds on to fat. So when I would say that, he would just say, it's going to take time. Stop talking about it and obsessing over it, which is very hard. Because remember, I said earlier, like the hardest thing to do is nothing. He wanted yes. me to do nothing. And You're a go getter. You know, he tells me I look beautiful all the time, but still, you know. At the end of the day, it's how you feel inside, and your husband, your partner, your mom, whoever, your girlfriend can say whatever they're going to say. But until you feel good in your body and in yourself, none of that's going to land fully. Exactly. Okay, so. In regards to self-love and this crazy term that's like probably the most overused term in the last 10 years, (laughs) but something we talk about all the time on Raw Beauty Shocks, what's your definition of self-love? My definition of self-love for me, this is my own, not projecting it on anyone else, is self-care. I have to have self-care to be effective as a mother, as a partner, as a business owner. That can be masturbation. 
That mm-hmm. can be like taking a walk. It can be getting a facial. For me, it's like I said, fascia manipulation is one of my things. I absolutely love facials because it's the one time that I can sit uninterrupted and just work on my phone for an hour and get my face sculpted. It's like, it's my dream. That's my favorite thing to do. I also like the Vichy showers. Like I told you, that's really helped with my lymphatic system. Acupuncture is incredible. Cupping. But self-care doesn't have to be expensive, okay? Self-care could just be waking up in the morning, and you know this, we talked about it earlier, like putting on meditation music, putting a candle on, diffusing oils, and making the bed, and doing Wim Hof breath work. Yes, all the things. It can be a combination of all of those things too. I feel like sometimes that's the best is when it's a little bit of both, a little bit of the facial, the massage, but also just the breath work. The cold the breath work is so good. The breath work is really helpful. I forgot to mention that. That's very helpful too. So one of the questions from our audience was, what is your all-time favorite skincare therapy? Like lasers, Botox. She was going for the big stuff, not like your gua sha tool. What is your favorite skincare um, therapy? Definitely microneedling. I think it's worth every penny. And I've gotten a lot of stuff done. I've tried all different kinds of things. And microneedling is... In my opinion, it plumps your skin. It makes it youthful. It takes away fine lines and wrinkles, hyperpigmentation. Um, I find it to be very, very effective. And no one's going to like this, but I think it's more effective without numbing cream because oh. it's closer to the skin. So I do it without numbing cream. I've microneedled my arms. My friend microneedled her vagina. What? Um, yeah. After birth, she microneedled her vagina. It's, there's so many benefits to it. It's good for any area of the skin. What was the uh, goal of microneedling the arms and the vagina? Well, my arms, like any, any kind of sunspots or anything, I just think it's really good for your arms. And when the blood comes out and it goes back in, it replenishes your cells. So sometimes you can even do PRP, which is like that vampire facial, which yes. is incredible, which is microneedling and then injecting your own blood back into your skin, which sounds wild, but research it because it really does work. Yeah, you can um, see it on the goop. On the Goop Netflix episode, Gwyneth gets the vampire facial. I gotta watch that. Oh my God. I feel like that show would be so up your alley. You would love it. I know. I can't believe I haven't watched that. I'm going to have to watch the one on, um, on the female orgasm and vagina. It's incredible. I can't wait. So, okay. I have two more questions for you before I let you go. The first one is what is the meaning behind your company name, the skinny confidential. How did you come up with that name? Is it all about getting skinny? What's the deal? I came up with the name when I was in college and I wanted a place where you could use it as a resource. So the name comes from getting the skinny, getting the Mm -hmm. juice. Yes. It's nothing to do with being skinny. I have all different kinds of shape sizes that I embrace. Like it's, it's nothing to do. I think the name skinny too is very cheeky. I think it's a cheeky, like the skinny confidential is very cheeky, but the main thing is to get the juice. Okay. I mean, I knew that because I know the background, but I wanted you to be able to share it with the audience as well, because I think some people go on and they're like, is this all about getting skinny and losing weight? But no, it's, it's an, your, your whole platform is this incredible resource for women on all the different types of self-care and health and wellness, but way beyond that, building a brand, mom life, all of the things that you cover there. My last question is, can you deliver a challenge, a raw beauty challenge to our audience, something that they could do this week that would help them elevate their own life. 
Totally. I challenge everyone, and this is so annoying until you get the hang of it, but once you get the hang of it, it will change your life and your anxiety to do 10 minutes of Wim Hof breathing. Every morning I go to his Instagram, I click his link in bio, I click his breath work. You could do it outside under the sun, so you're getting a little bit of sun exposure. I do mine in front of my red light. And afterwards, and this is where the challenge comes in, do a freezing cold, like freezing three-minute shower. And how I do that is I turn the shower on, I put Ryan Holiday's three-minute daily stoic on, and I just get in. And it has completely changed my life and my energy levels. And I think every single person will benefit from it. And here's the deal. If you say, I don't have time for that, it takes 15 minutes to take a shower. It already does. So for me, now it takes 15 minutes because I do 10 minutes of breath work and then three minutes of freezing cold shower. So it's still 15 minutes. You can make any time for anything. It's about prioritizing. I can guarantee if you use tool number one that we talked about, which was not turning on your phone first thing in the morning, you're going to save yourself 30 minutes right there. And you can dedicate 15 minutes of that time to your Wim Hof breathing. I'm obsessed with this man. He is just so dear. And like, I'm so glad that everyone's talking about him now. And then your three minute ice cold shower. I saw the other day you posted about your shower and eucalyptus. So like getting some fresh eucalyptus and hanging that from your shower head or just putting it in the shower or a couple drops of eucalyptus oil. You'll be at the spa. You'll be starting your day in the best way possible. I love it. That's the perfect challenge. Lauren, thank you so much for joining us on the Raw Beauty Talks podcast today. It was such a gift to chat with you and to hear your perspective on things. I thank you for sharing the unpopular opinion because nobody wants to share that. I mean, I do. I always like look to share that. But I mean, it's hard to speak against the grain sometime. And I think that's why so many people are so attracted to you. You just say it how it is. And it is so refreshing. That's so nice, Erin. And this is such a cool podcast. I have to tell you that the questions you asked were really, really good. Really good questions. Thank you. I like, I feel like, I mean, you're clearly already very successful, but I feel like you have a lot of success in your future. Thank you so, so much. Well, I'll be following along, continuing to download. Make sure you click the links in our bio to hit up everything, Lauren, and continue doing all this incredible work that you're doing. And don't forget, our friends at Modibody are offering you 15% off for a limited time when you use the code RAWBEAUTY. You can click the link in our show notes and it will take you right to their shop where they offer so many cute styles. Girls, this is the way of the future. Our underwear needs to be working for us and this stuff works. I'm obsessed. Do you ever feel like you're struggling through motherhood? You're not alone. I'm Erica Jossa, host of the MomWell podcast, therapist and mom of three. Join me each Wednesday as I sit down with guests, including psychologists, pediatricians, psychiatrists, fertility specialists, lactation consultants, and more to unravel the myths of motherhood. With expert advice, practical tips, self-love, and some coping skills to help you along the way, you can become the mother you want to be. Listen to the MomWell podcast at momwell.com listen or on your favorite podcast platform.